the Protect Your Neck Podcast, Mayweather McGregor Fight Week Recap, with special guest Angelo Reyes. From boxing, MMA, to news about your boy, we got a lot to talk about. So, without further ado... This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, and we are back, my friends. That's right. It was a long break, and I thought maybe I missed a week already, perhaps, perhaps, you know, we started this podcast at the beginning of the year in January, and I wanted to at least get one a week. I think I've done that all but for one, and, and I already tweeted out an apology, as I tend to do, for not getting... Um, uh, getting one out in time this week, but it looks like by technicality, by default, we actually haven't missed it. I know it seems like it's been two weeks, but by technicality, the last episode was on a Monday. Big shout outs to my man Blake Stevenson for coming on there. We did our top five boxers in MMA and did a breakdown of Mayweather McGregor that I didn't even plan to do, and I'm glad I did because boy, did fight week get crazy, and here I am, exa- you know, almost two weeks later. Again, we're, we're making the week deadline, just barely by a hair. Last day, Sunday it is here, but um, I've actually got some content coming up for you later in the show that was recorded last uh, last last night, right, right after the fights, uh, from Angelo Reyes, uh, Coach Reyes, who we've had on the show before, uh, noted uh, boxing and MMA coach, so uh, we're going to get some, some nice opinions from him later, but we're going to start from... I guess where we left off at with you guys last time, um, and 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 the start of, of fight week, which was crazy. Um, as you know, not only was this, you know, I guess the hot word is unprecedented, which I kept using, but it just it was just so true. So many aspects of covering or approaching talking about this fight was was unprecedented. I guess I'm talking about Mayweather McGregor and living here in Vegas. You tend to feel whether it's a big fight week or not. And we felt stages of it that, that built and grew and we'll get to. We'll, we'll get our way to the Irish, believe me. But uh, but, but but aside from that, as you may may know, uh, your boy here uh, sprung some news on y'all. I'm, especially sprung, if you've been following me or listening to this podcast, you'll know that uh, the ups and downs struggles of just, you know, working or attempting to even work in this industry, what it can be. And I, as a man who wears his heart on his sleeve, uh, yeah, I'm sure you sensed uh, you sensed some struggle, but just like those 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 Lord of the Rings movies, right? Every that's their fucking trope. Every time it's getting oh, they're gonna lose the battle. All they got if all they got to do is look up to the cliff top, and there's the fucking supporting army that comes in, right? No, really, if life was that easy, where you just anytime you get the shit kicked out of you, you just look up to the hilltop, and then people are there. It's like the same trope the Zach say by the bell. I'm going to wait on the beach until someone comes and talks to me, and we'll resolve the episode that way. Dan, stay on target. Stay on target. Anyways, it was it was a rough and rocky slope, but um, some things came through, and and I'm glad they did. And a lot of you knowing me, you know, following me or, or know me now, you know I've had a relationship with MMA Junkie, especially particularly through MMA Junkie Radio, the radio show, uh, uh, George and Goes, who, you know, when I first started listening to them, they were tag radio. Um, and, you know, they were listeners of themselves off the MMA Weekly Show, ended up doing tag radio, teaming up with Frank Trigg, who um, 
I also have a kind of a lineage through through grappling coaches, uh, but you know, I, I I didn't know I didn't know Frank or anything back then. Didn't know the hosts back then. I was just a listener, just a fan. This is 2007, guys. This is like 10 years ago, and uh, they end up uh, you know just like me doing breakdowns out of out of my bedroom. They were doing the radio show out of their living room, and, and they get picked up with a MMA junkie started by Dan Stuff, and. Uh, uh, sorry, giving you guys a little history and timeline, but it's relevant here. And uh, it starts up, uh, you know, MMA Junkie, which again, Dan Stubb, that was his own side gig. He's, he's a legit journalist, was covering sports and had his own beat, um, I believe, you know, in, in Ohio in the region that he re- uh, wrote for. This was just a side, a side thing. But what we all had in common, I guess, we were, we were all very passionate about the sport. And the sport was booming. And I jumped on following their work, you know, for, for, for the last 10 years and would co-host the show even just when I was a competitor, uh, amateur competitor in mixed martial arts and just fan, you know, they interviewed me before my fight, they're very, very nice, um, and stuff like that, and uh, so, you know, getting to know everybody in Junkie Nation, the listenership, which is awesome, I'll be giving some individual shout-outs here for the junkies that I saw this week, shout-out to you guys too, but in other words, it would seem like a natural fit, and it was, but, uh, and I can't give you the details of the negotiations, obviously, with, you know, them or anybody else, but... There was a lot going on, not just with, with, with them, with other places and, and things like that. And, you know, uh, I guess I'll just sum it up by saying, because I'm not going to give any you know, details, obviously, here. But uh, it, was, it, was wel- it was very welcome that, um, that the people fought for me that did. And uh, I, I, I owe them just like I owe all you listening. And this is just a big roundabout way, I guess, to say thank you. Because, uh, you know, it's always darkest for the dawn, whatever that dark night uh, quote is there. But, uh, but, but yeah, man, and you really see when things, you know, seem at their most bleak, shit, life has a funny way of, of, uh, of, of not always kicking you while you're down. It'll kick you if you're down, if you let it, you know, but, but, but it's got a funny way of turning things like that. And in those moments, you realize how grateful you should be, um, and how grateful you are, <laughs> you know, for the, how many people are, you know, support you, are at your back, or how many people were watching, were listening, uh, were rooting for you. And uh, that really became apparent with uh, the overwhelming um, support from tweets when this announcement broke um, that I'll now be working with them and, and positive support from all ends, uh, com- competing outlets, you know. Again, we're, we're competitors, but we all have respect for, for, for each other. And that means just so much, you know, yeah, you know, uh, hearing whether it's guys like from Snowden and the guys over at Bleacher Report to, you know, um, Again, my or even like ex colleagues who we left on good terms and big shout out, especially to MMA latest, everybody there and Flow Combat from uh, Hunter and Dwayne. By the way, uh, go pre order Dwayne's book in the cold distance, man. I'm I'm stoked to read that and uh, everybody at MMA latest, Jim Edwards, Matt, uh, Matt Matthew Wells, of course, uh, Stephen House, and everybody that I've worked with through there. Met you know, as, you know uh, Sam Alvey and Jordan Killian who run the podcast, uh, Keith McKenna who. Uh, you know, not working in MMA at the moment, but uh, one of the mans behind the scenes, one of the editors behind there, you know, all these great people I was able to meet and help grow over these past couple years of now working in this side of it. I'm um, just fucking thank you. I'm not going to, we're seven minutes in, I'm not going to keep ranting on like this, believe me, but um, there are definitely some do thank yous that will be coming through this episode. I'll, I'll space them out as they are relevant, but yes, um, now I'm now working or contributing with MMA Junkie on the editorial side, my breakdowns, um, we're still hammering out the details, so uh, I'm not going to give you the details here because, again, we're kind of still hammering those out. But essentially, yes, my breakdowns will be coming over to Junkie. Um, same format, you know, main cards and just giving my predictions through the whole card. And uh, maybe you know, doing some Bellator 10-pole events, but that's all I'll say for now. 
just all I will say is if anything, you'll be getting more content from me. This won't be a, a shrinkage of any content, so no worries there. Um, and MixedMartialAnalyst.com, thank you for supporting, is going nowhere. Of course, uh, the break with the breakdowns transferring, um, that won't be there, but I will be keeping my library up there. It's still a tool. There's still you know a good solid two years. That's right. This August, we made two years, baby. Uh, Holloway vs. Oliveira was my first official digital breakdown. I mean, I've been doing them on paper and have some notebooks that date to the year before that. But yeah, man, two years of MixedMartialAnalyst.com. So they, you, there's notes there, some better written than others, but you're still welcome. That's still a free library for your research, and it is hosting this year podcast, which is going nowhere, by the way, too. We still, we're, we're still, we're still sailing this. This is, this is still my baby. Um, and yes, your, your support is still appreciated. It's, it's not going anywhere. I'll be still doing, uh, uh, you know, uh, giving you my thoughts as far as the full card, the in-depth stuff that's not listed on the breakdowns, you know, a couple days before the fight, like I usually do. Um, so that, that, that is still intact, still be uh, tackling top fives and, uh, you know, hopefully starting to pull in more guests. That's something that I wanted to do anyways. But yes, um, man, it, 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 it's, it, it, let's just say, uh, let, let, let's just say, I think everything's going to be stepping up now because aside from the editorial side that I kind of just explained my, uh, one of my main gigs now, the full-time part of the gig, I guess you could say, cause we'll be going Monday through Fridays. That's right. I am joining one of the few only original MMA radio shows, MMA junkie radio, who's been running five days a week. Again, for the past decade, um, a show I was a listener and a fan of and became friends with the host, and now all of a sudden we're working together and we still can't believe it. But um, just a plane flying above. Wow, that, that's a really low-flying plane. That's really weird. Okay. Oh, if you hear a boom, you know why. I'm carrying on. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I, I will be doing, uh, you know, offering uh, uh, color co-host is kind of the, the, the title there, you know, offering analysis pre- and post-event weighing in on specific topics, but if you notice this first week, I've been a lot behind the scenes because I'm really, uh, I'm loving it too, by the way, really, uh, really uh, taking the reins on the production angle, um, so right now we're just working on um, be trying to step up the social media presence, be running tweets, so if you guys want to contribute to that show as well, um, be on the lookout for that, and of course, you know, you can always reach out to me uh, at the MM Analyst on Twitter, but that was originally because MixedMartialAnalyst.com. If you know you follow me on Twitter, I was actually originally, and I not even avatar myself, so I wasn't sure. I'm like, I don't know how these breakdowns are going to be received. I'm kind of going really in-depth here. I could piss a lot of people off, and I could still do that, but obviously I got more comfortable with the idea uh, business-wise and job opportunity-wise and all these things. Obviously, you, you saw me switch over to my name. So now what I'm essentially going to be doing, I, uh, by the time this comes out, it'll probably already be done, but I'm going to be switching over um, my handle on Twitter. Um, it's probably going to be either Dan underscore Tom or Dan Tom MMA. Unfortunately, like the MMA analyst, my original handle, it's taken by somebody who's inactive. So is Dan Tom, whoever is at Dan Tom. And Twitter is not really the best at uh, solving problems or reaching out to their clientele or having a platform to do so, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, so I'm, I'm probably just going to go with one of those. Um, I'll post it, pin it, and all that. But yeah, uh, anyways, where was I going with that? But yeah, I've uh, been doing production, so yeah, you know, get at me from there um, as far as that, um, and uh, and and yeah, we're just, we're just gonna be we're just gonna be uh, taking things to to even another level. Um, again, it was it's it's already one of the most solid, consistent shows. I'm honored to be a part of it, you know. Uh, but but um, 
like any job for anybody that knows me, I take everything very seriously, and uh, I'm really really excited just just as as we're kind of powwowing here how we're going to be uh, how we're going to be growing so be on the lookout for that that is you know that's my that's my home that's that, that's my new home and and it's it's so weird to say even new home because again my history with with with, with junkie actually runs deep so people that 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 know me and behind the scenes it's just it couldn't have been more perfect fit so thank you sorry for that 12 minute fucking recap but that was it on the job then and and what a first week on the job it is now as we parlay that into the Mayweather McGregor fight week i mean that was my that was my first week and even you know the first day it was fun we actually had a, a non-boxing guest but Ricardo Lamas uh came in studio and uh we went and he ate uh, some bomb peruvian food with uh, stitch my man dante and uh, John Orlando from, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't have the, the handle in front of me, but he co-hosts podcasts with uh, Jake uh, Jake Ellenberger, and he made a, da- more importantly, he made a daring bet with the guys at MMA Junkie Radio that he will wear a diaper um, and a rattle and <laughs> go around Mandalay Bay uh, saying, uh, with a big sign saying, I'm, a, I'm, I'm the dopey baby or something like that, that bet Conor McGregor. And now he has to pay that, repay that bet. So Monday, we're probably going to be looking for that. But yeah, this this last Monday, though, we all went for Peruvian food after the show, and Ricardo Lamas made us eat a beef heart, a cow's heart. So that was a that was a first. Thank you, thank you, Ricardo, um, and thank you, Ricardo, for not killing me for picking against you. <laughs> <laughs> the dopes who played uh, Jason Knight on that, but no, Ricardo Lama's awesome, dude. Real, real laid back guy. Remind, just reminds me of, like a bunch of the guys that I came up training with, man. There's, you know, a lot of fighters, martial artists. They're they're such badass in the octagon, but really they're just cool. A lot of them are just really cool, down earth people. Like just, 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 you know, don't have a an atrocious ego about them or anything at all. Like real, real cool guys. So, shout, shout, shout outs there. But we we had some 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 fun guests. We had the. Mayweather's bodyguards, who you know were surprisingly really nice uh, behind the cameras, but it was also kind of weird because they had their own camera crew. Like they came into the own studio, and like I don't know if it's something for I don't again I don't follow you know Mac Life or Mayweather's version of media or anything, but they definitely looked like they were doing their own like self-produced um, reality show. They had like three camera people, like a still camera, um, uh, kind of a social media from the phone camera, and then like a legit over-the-shoulder video camera with the mic and they were following just the bodyguards, which again, um, these guys aren't real security. Uh, you've heard that uh, criticism from many people. And yeah, I, I will say the same. They are, they are not real security. And, uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, the, in their credit, you know, they, they seem like they would be just anything they would say would be douchey and, um, not saying some of the things they say weren't when the cameras were on, but even when the cameras are off for what it's worth, they were, they were very pleasant, uh, pleasant gentlemen. Of course, they're probably in very good spirits this week, I would imagine, uh, with the money they're making, and they talked about it. And that's why I tweeted out that, you know, Greg LaRosa, the the, the bigger of the two, um, was betting a big portion of money <laughs> on the TKO prop and was joking about mortgaging his house, which I don't think he really did. But you could read between the lines that he was legitimately putting a bet there. And again, I was like, well, he's a musclehead. What does he know about boxing up? Look, I'm not saying very true. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that that's an inside guy to the camp. And he was as genuine as – those guys aren't very good actors. So he, you can kind of read between the lines if you're paying attention. And he was genuinely putting his money somewhere. And the smart people follow the money. <laughs> and uh, that made me feel much better about my already call. Because, again, it, was a, you know, it wasn't until 
not this last Monday, you know, Monday, but the Monday before where we did the uh, top five boxers in MMA with Blake Stevenson, where we had the, the breakdown. Um, but since that last episode, guys, my, my opinion really hasn't changed, you know, and we'll get to how, you know, it was pretty, pretty accurate to the call. I mean, I was calling breaking down by body shots and Floyd by round nine. It came by round 10. And even though it was the headshots at the end that Mayweather was walking him down with, it was the body shots early, which our man Angelo here will get into that did that. But we're not to the fight yet, but uh, it was just kind of an interesting tidbit. That's why I tweeted that out about the bodyguards who were in the studio. But um, yeah, we also had Jerry Cooney, who was just, I didn't realize he had his own show. Um, he was just one of those names you just see from, you know, me being a nerd and going back in 70s and 80s boxing. I mean, you look at his last kind of fights so where he gets the big names, um, and then he, he kind of bowed out after that. But I mean, you just... All you got to do is go look at Jerry Cooney versus Ken Norton. It's like one of the most brutal boxing knockouts you'll ever see. Uh, and Ken Norton was just built like a brick shit house, especially back then. And uh, Jerry Cooney, just 6'6", but just not a lanky, wafy wet, uh, guy, guy by any means. And just really sitting down into his hooks. And he was just like a big kid, man. He kept like punching us. He's like, hey, how you doing, guy? Hey, how you doing? And he just would keep, boom, ba, ba, ba. And he would just kind of, um, this podcast, audio, this is probably bad, but he was just like a like a little kid, like, you know, kind of shadow boxing body shots at you, like poking at your belly like the Pillsbury Doughboy, like doing it, but doing it harder, but not quite full on hitting you. <laughs> to afterwards, even Gigi, uh, host of MMA Junkie Radio, was like, when he left, he was like, dude, that guy, that guy fucking hit me pretty hard. And he kept doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he was a really friendly guy. Uh, that, that was fun. So, so yeah, man. I mean, you could really uh, see the excitement from all angles. Um, I didn't quite get to quite catch up with all the media. I did see, though, however, I think, you know, Ariel did a bunch of, I, I don't even know how many MMA hours he did, but I did catch that Chris Eubanks um, interview, and that was inspiring shit. That was, that was one of my favorite things to watch all week. So shout out to Ariel, Chris Eubanks Sr., and uh, those guys over there. Um, for 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 that, uh, as, as, but uh, yeah, that there was a lot this week, man. I'm, I'm just kind of pondering through my notes here. Sorry, I'm all, if I'm all over the place, but uh, but yeah, and 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 throughout the week, you know, I'm trying to uh, get ahead on finishing up Rotterdam, you know, finishing up the last write-ups, the last matchups on the prelim, the last tape study, and it's just so hard because not only are we inundated with all this Mayweather and McGregor stuff, then we have freaking Tuesday night contender show bunch of people in town, you know, having to say no just to get work done. Despite my best efforts, just the shit keeps breaking and hitting the fan because sure enough, we get a Dana White scrum. Now, I know we've been getting actually Dana White scrums on the regular. It's been part of the benefit of the Tuesday Night Contender Series, granted. But let's be honest, guys. We used to get Dana White scrums, like, after every fight, and those were awesome, right? The, I mean, um, those were those were some of the best uh, things you could go to the big outlets always had. You know, Dana White post-fight scrum, pre-fight scrum. You would even get two per event. But now, not only do we not get them with the new WMIE era, Dana White, you know, possible lawsuits influencing him, uh, tightening things up. Here or there, we don't get them that much anymore. And... Now when we do get them, I was joking on, on, on Junkie Radio earlier this week that like now it just feels like that fucking Chappelle show skit where he does the P. Diddy, Puff Daddy making the band. It's just like you just got Dana White, you know, and the media crowding around him with the microphones. It's like, oh, I got some good news and I got some bad news. Good news is the event's still on. Bad news is we just lost, you know, fill in the blank. Shevchenko, uh, or no, Nunez, you know, Jones, uh, whatever, you know, like it's... It's getting to that point where it's almost comical. Just that you know, you want to get excited. Oh, sweet, we're getting a Dana Run sc- a White Scrum. But then part of you, you know, 
maybe it's better to ask guys who are always on the scene like John Morgan better if it's like, you know, parties. Like, do you guys wonder like, okay, well, what's he going to drop on us now? Oh, great. <laughs> is this is going to be extra <laughs> extra work than what we're already planning on writing up because that that's another reason why I can't complain. These, these, these guerrilla journalists, these journalists in the trenches, the guys like John Morgan who had every show, like having a you know, roll with these punches and counter punch firing, firing articles back. I just, it's just insane, man. So shout outs to, to everybody, uh, you know, everybody's teamwork hard, but of course, especially, you know, uh, getting more of a glimpse now, the junkie team. And, and I always knew that they work hard and hustle. If you listen to MMA Roadshow, John Morgan's podcast, he, those guys don't even get to see their family that much, but, uh, man, just shout out to the, to, to all the, uh, MMA media hustling really, really uh, this week. It was, it was quite the, the the S show, but yeah. Uh, so John John Jones, right? He he, you know, pops positive. And if you heard my my take on the um, earlier, maybe in, maybe even the day after on Junkie Radio, I was uh, if anything, I I wasn't you know, despite my feelings and my my passions toward John Jones in the past, my feelings about him, I, I'm I, maybe I'm just so burnt out. You're just you're over it, you know, you know. You're in that bad relationship, and, and you know, it's just it's the last straw. You're just like, at the, it's at the end of it where you're just, I'm numb. I'm numb. That's how I know it's over, man. But, yeah, I'm numb. I'm numb to it. And if anything, I, I defended Jones in the sense of defending due process, of saying, you know, there is a due process, but not only that. You know, he does he did pass seven tests, the unplanned one or whatever, surprise test, but, you know, gets hit by the planned one, you know. These were things that I was putting out there for what it's worth, you know, and I'm reminding people. But at, at the same time, you know, you test positive for a cloaking part of the steroid stack. And then you t- now, recently now, with the Toronto ball testing positive for the basic base. Because, it's, you know, body bodybuilders or performance enhancing, they stack supplements like that. Um, Toronto ball would be considered, I guess, a base, a base one. It doesn't get you huge or anything, but it kind of facilitates... Facilitates the whole process of a stack and a cycle. So, from what I've read, again, I'm no, I'm no pro. Um, shouts to the people like uh, Lane Kid over at Bloody Elbow who uh, put out articles that educate the masses. I know there's many more, but uh, that's that, that that's one dude. Uh, one dude's work I particularly uh, like and want to give him a shout. But yeah, it, it's <clears throat> it's 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 tough, man. It's tough because there's no. It's not even about John Jones, man. I mean, who in a victory? Can not only ruin their legacy as the greatest fighter, but they also ruin the clear second greatest pound for pound fighter Daniel Cormier's legacy in the fucking purgatory. Hell's bad enough. Purgatory in this case is arguably worse. You put him there. And more importantly, you do dirty your division. A division that desperately needs fighters, contenders. A division that used to be the UFC's flagship division. And speaking of the UFC, forget just that division. The UFC needs stars. And then, for just a little icing on the cake, what's your what's your name? I'll have you, I'll have him write it for you. Dana White tells us Sipe Miocic and John Jones was in the works. And now let's look at heavyweight. What that was talking about? Heavyweight, a division that has a number one guy, but clearly needs some help as far as fights, contenders, and fun fights. And heavyweight and light heavyweight in the big picture of all the divisions, minus maybe the female divisions, which is another argument in its own, but the heavyweight and the light heavyweight, the most shallowest. Jones just affected all of those five to ten or whatever, how you want to dissect what I just listed, things in a victory, in an impressive victory. He just destroyed all those things. 
You know, how, how do you not feel numb as a, as a fan or as somebody can see the big picture? You're just, ah, Jesus, it just sucks, man. That sucks. And it further supports my time machine idea of bringing back, uh, uh, going back to the year 2000, snatching up Igor Vovchanchin after that Ensign in a way fight. Maybe a little before. Save, him, save my man Ensign some of that trauma because he was too tough for his own good. And we bring him and he just bounced. He didn't forget even giving him a title shot. Just have Igor fuck, fucking bounce between heavyweight and light heavyweight just fighting people. You know, even though Rumble's not fighting anymore, I still, th- I still say, you know... Uh, a recent iteration of Rumble Johnson versus the 2000 iteration of Igor Vovchanchin is one of my top three fantasy fights of all time. Oh, the punches. Oh, oh, the concussions. Oh, God, my head's hurting thinking about that fight. Anyways, yeah, it's it was a lot to it was a lot to um, it was a lot to digest. And then, just for shits, and you know, as much as I want to, <laughs> and you have Sage Northcutt, you know, liking porn and flooding his timeline with porn. It's just like oh, MMA. MMA Universe, give us a break here. As I take a sip of coffee. 24 minutes of talking, my mouth's gonna get a little, a little dry and worn there. The best part of waking up is folders in your cup. Sorry, they're not a sponsor. Um, yeah, man. And as so as much as I'm like at this point, I just want to fucking shut off. I need to get to I need to get to my my breakdowns, my work. All right. I don't need to be looking at anime news right now. It's just it's just it's just a downward spiral that you're not going to catch up on this week, Dan. It's Mayweather-McGregor fight week, and the MMA shit's just popping off, too. Just when I'm doing that, just when I'm saying I'm going to go cold turkey on the news, I see Jermaine Durandamy <laughs> draws out a fight with Marion Renault due to hand injury. I know, hand injury, the same thing. Again... I'm a, I've been a defender of Durandamy, but in rewatching because oh your boy yeah he just freshly wrote that breakdown between Durandamy and Renault on the main card, and in it you're just looking at oh yeah back after before the Holly Holm fight after the Amanda Panda fight she was being asked about Cyborg whom she was already offered to be matched up with sidesteps the question could have addressed and made her opinions there to, which would have supported her case later and saying hey they knew I didn't want to fight her they knew my intentions for 145 was to go back down to 135 she had multiple chances to state her case and also um, with the hand injury as well I mean how many years ago was that Pacheco fight where it was initially hurt so she says right Point is, I'm not trying to bury her. If anything, I defend her in the past, but she certainly demanded me not doing herself favors. And the reason with doing the breakdowns, the reason why I have to look at the news and the reason why it's hard to get ahead of breakdowns, even even when the UFC allows you schedule and time to do it, excuse me, is because the injury, the injury bug, right? The dreaded MMA injury bug of the past three or four, it's a real thing. And Shit's always changing, so I'm not complaining again. The the the, the, the journalists, the real journalists, the guys, the guy, the traveling, the the print media, these guys, deadline media, these those guys are the real, real man. I I don't think I could do that. Um, and I you know at least get to kind of make my own schedule and work on these breakdowns from the comfort of my home. I don't have to go and travel away from my dog's girlfriend and family all the time. So believe me, I'm not complaining. But at the same time, it's like oh. That shit, that's like my biggest pet peeve right there when you just finish the breakdown and then somebody. Uh. So, your boy's not done with Rotterdam yet. He's finishing it up today, hopefully. Hopefully they announce which fight um, they're going to replace it with. Uh, God knows you're not going to find out from UFC.com because they are still saying that um, 
they're still listing Ciara Bahadurzada against uh, the... Uh, um, they don't have Rob Wilkinson, his opponent, on there. Put it that way. They have the other guy on there still. It's not their name escaping me. And, of course, they still have, yes, Marion or Nova Strand or Anime still fighting. They, they are very slacking. And borderline fake news on there, man, with the heights and reaches. Like, I've been covering these guys' heights and reaches and have written records. And then I go back and compare to the sure dogs and tapologies of the world. And there's some fake news going on with these uh, measurements over at UFC.com there. But, yeah, man. Anyway, so I'm going to be finishing that up. Um... And, and getting that breakdown, something up for you there, at least. I already have um, the main event and a lot of these key matchups covered. I'm not going to spoil any of that. You'll have to stay tuned. Let me junkie now. That's right. Or uh, follow me on Twitter because you will, well, anyways, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just wait until the details get, get worked out. I will say too much or too little, but again, rest assured, you all be getting the same, if not more content now, so. Let me let me hammer out the details before I open my big fucking mouth. But uh, but yeah, it's it's good. It's good news. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. We had the weigh-ins, which was was real fun. Uh, shout out to uh, junkies uh, Noah Buffalo Blue, uh, Carla Duran, uh, Stitch Duran's daughter, a uh, fan, uh, real educated boxing fan by the way she was dropping knowledge on people left and right and it was fun to see uh erica of course goes gg uh, sammy the squid was out they had a nice group went to the weigh-ins and just kind of people watching man because just the irish were in full effect i'm sure you saw in the videos shit last time i checked it was up to like fucking 1800 something likes so i think the reason was obviously because the ufc picked it up in one of their moments but yeah man i did a tweet of uh you go to my Twitter, I, I pinned it up for a day as something new was going to be pinned there, either this episode or my new handle, but just just for shits and giggles was uh, the Irish blocking in the T-Mobile Arena. Yes, they weren't truly blocking in. There were people getting out, but it was tough. They decided to have their song and dances right at the end, and it's just you see the escalators feeding down into like it looks like a broken assembly line where it's just ramming products into each other <laughs> to the point where they actually had to do an emergency stop on the um, on the escalator. And uh, I was shooting kind of with that downward. I got a, had, a, had a good vantage point, so that that tweet got some traction. But that was it was crazy times, man. It was it was fun times, and I was dead. I was I actually felt really sick that day and wanted to go. <laughs> I was pretty antisocial, so if you saw me, uh, it was great to see you. But if you didn't see me, believe me, it wasn't anything personal. I wanted to see as much people as I could, but it was crazy, man. It was crazy. I didn't even get to see my man Robin Black, who usually we hang out in town, but I knew he was going to be a wasteland. And with me, with my aforementioned week that I'm already spent, how many am I t telling you about it? It was, it was kind of crazy there. But uh, got to meet some of his new colleagues at TSN. Shouts to TSN for picking up my man Robin. I was glad to see him see him get a home as far as an outlet goes. I know he's kicking ass on his YouTube channel, but got to meet some of his colleagues uh, who I've seen around uh, covering shows for a minute now. Uh, Aaron Bronstetter, real nice guy. Fucking made me look like shit at Top Golf, man. I was, oh, I was, I'll talk, well, I wouldn't talk myself up a game, but uh, but uh, GG and Goes were gonna use me as a ringer for the media. Top Golf was just, uh, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to be the name dropping guy or whatever, but I uh, just, you know, there's a lot of guys from all around, from Bellator, PR, UFC, uh, to just MMA outlets. You know, my man Luke Thomas was there, just hanging out before he went to record his uh, the podcast with Shab. And uh, Jamie Foxx was playing next to us. Actually, my man Jim got got a picture where I guess he was on the tee the same time I was uh, next to me. So, shouts to Jim for giving me a picture there. Jose Youngs, my man Jose Youngs. Shout out Jose Youngs. It's great to see him. Uh, yeah, so we, we just, just a lot of people out there. But but yeah, I uh, 
Gigi and goes like, hey man, we're we're not taking swings. We fucking suck at golf. You got to be our guy. Have you played before? And I, was like, I actually did. Like I actually played, um, like club even uh, in junior high and high school. I played from eight to eighteen years old. Like had you know, uh, you know, dad filed down a set of clubs for me and everything, and kind of got me into it. And uh, me being a dark and half Asian and the middle name Woody, they called me Tiger Woody because Tiger Woods was pretty big at the time. <laughs> I know, yeah, you make funny for my middle name. I don't, I don't care. It's funny, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I was in. Like, Tiger Woods was my favorite golfer back then. I was, I was into it, man. Um, 150, uh, 150 yards with a nine iron at 16 years old. 350 yard drive with a three wood. That was my, that was my uh, main weapons of choice. Um, yeah, I mean that was again 18, 17, 18 years old was probably last time I was I was playing. Thirty two now, so I mean that's a good, that's a good, uh, it's a good fifteen years of not playing. So I connected with it. I didn't whiff, but uh, I had my uh, shitty pair of glasses on me, and uh, I'm used to kind of taking div. I like really getting under it, especially because they're only letting us use irons, and I'm forgetting that it's just astroturf, no tee, and I fucking just. Oh, it was an ugly shot, put it that way. I connected, and it went, but not far. It was not a clean shot. My glasses actually flew off, and I was like, oh, well, that's a good first impression. I'm like, I can't can't let that be my last shot. Then I hit a decent one that I I feel like I topped a bit, but I was like, all right, I'm done, I'm done. Then my man Aaron comes up, and he just fucking shows up. He does a, does, he does one first. It was like, it was like, it was like, not the greatest. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling a little better. Then he just starts fucking whack, whack. And then everybody else started getting up, and I'm like, oh, my, all right, I'm out of my league. I'm sitting down, guys. I'm not your ringer today. <laughs> it was fun, though, man. Top golf. Gotta, I got I to gotta check that place out more. Um, was, was, again, I'm, I, I live here in Vegas, but I go to none of these places. But, yeah, and then, you know, next day, get some rest, and it's fight day. Um, apparently, fight pass went down on a lot of people, which sucked. As soon as I had trouble logging in, I, I, I knew immediately, okay, I can't order from here. Thankfully, I did it through Showtime. Um, I wasn't even going to order it at all, not because I wasn't going to watch it, but just save you the story. But my plans kind of shifted, ended up kind of hosting for me and my man, Derek Bowe. Shout out at Debo7, um, who's become a smart guy, but become quite the beer connoisseur, man. And he really educated me and my girl, brought, uh, brought over his girl, a bunch of beers, some glasses. I have my glasses, some beers, you bring your friends. I'll bring my friends. Maybe we can be friends. And we had a good drinking weekend. And it was uh, it was really good. It was really good. Uh, you brought, I don't have the bottle's names in front of me, but it was the average price for bottle was about 150 per bottle. I mean, it was just like, this one was amazing. It was coconut coffee and rum, aged in barrel-aged rum uh, barrels. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it was just some of the best fucking beer ever. Um, I posted it on my Twitter, and I'm going to post it on my um Instagram, Instagram, Dan Tom MMA. If you want to follow me on Instagram, by the way, uh, you know, I probably will do the, the handle. Probably, I'll probably change the handle to Dan Tom MMA. That way, that way, everything stays the same, right? I mean, I've, I've been able to do that with Protecting Neck Podcast at the PYN Podcast on Facebook, uh, Protecting Neck Podcast at the PYN Podcast on Instagram and uh, Twitter at the PYN Podcast. So hey, let's 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 move in that direction. Let's try to keep everything the same. But yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, Ordered some pizza, and uh, and enjoyed some fights, man. Uh, so, so, so some interesting stuff on the undercard. I'm I'm gonna bring up Geraldes and Borrego, even though most of you barely wa- uh, didn't watch it. And I I, to be honest, barely watched it because uh, Borrego was was pr- pretty outclassing him. But 
Geraldes would start changing the momentum. Probably about three rounds out from the final round. And um, ten round five. Yeah, so about, probably about round seven, round eight. Round, you know, starts, starts changing the momentum. Ends up landing a left hook. Uh, Geraldes, the younger, more inexperienced of the two boxers, and just rocks him, and it's just just following him, trying to get the finish, following him. You know, again, as we saw, a little harder in boxing, even if you think you stand the guy. Like MMA, there's a lot of clinches, the rules, the breaks, the holdups, even if you do get the knockdown, the count, the way the guys use the count. And phew, this guy, Borrego, it looked like he wasn't going to get up for a second. He used it, I believe, all the way till 9, gets, but gets up, makes immediate eye contact, and immediately responds to the walk-forward call from the ref. Uh, but I guess the, the, the you know and the, the fight ends up going to the decision. He closes strong, but that's the thing in boxing. There's just so much more room for forgiveness that you can hate on these round winning styles of Floyd Mayweather and and, and whatnot. But that's the thing in boxing. You you, you almost got to be dumb not to have that gamesmanship because the rules allow for it, right? Um, in MMA, there's a, there's only so many rounds to where you get the knockdown, you definitively own that round, or you get the knockdown and follow up. If you don't get the finish, you can you can earn yourself a 10-8, which if you've lost the first two rounds or the other two rounds, whatever order the events play out, you can at least earn yourself a draw. The, in other words, the proportion mathematically of a fight is much less, which means you, in turn, in theory, have to do much less to control a portion or at least claim your half of the fight in the judges' cards. Whereas you can have one, maybe two, maybe even three of those rounds in a boxing fight, but depending if it's a 10 to 12 round fight, that is a much bigger mathematic proportion to fractionally cover scoring, to fractionally control, to fractionally dominate, right? So it just really, like that, just watching that fight, I guess, the reason why I noted that fight is because it just really brought out to me like, the difference, the difference, and why you have to have that ring general. What you know, we talk about ring generalship in MMA is the guy coming forward. <laughs> you know, let's be honest. Even even I do a bit of that myself. We're just some, we're sort of generalizing because, in our defense, the levels aren't quite there like they are in boxing. And when you watch that, you realize you watch boxing, you realize how important ring generalship is. So, I guess the reason why I'm also highlighting that is because I was I'm hoping that this kind of at least brought some casual eyes. And, and MMA eyes to boxing and in return you can even if you're not going to go and follow boxing I don't have the time to and even in my fandom days I started after you know growing up watching Mike Tyson and Julio Cesar Chavez in the early 90s I became tough to follow other guys you know um, but yeah either way hopefully you, you take an appreciation from boxing and, and the proverbial sweet silence if you will but but yeah it was it was a uh, you gotta appreciate stuff like that, man. You gotta appreciate stuff like that, and that makes you appreciate MMA more. The how how finite of a battle it really is, right? It's much more, much more of a real fight uh, in that sense too. So again, giving that example, hopefully you get what I'm saying is I'm actually giving credit to both sports there simultaneously. Um, the Badu Jack fight was uh, Badu Jack versus Cleverly. That was I, that was impressive. I, I'm familiar with Badu Jack being, you know. Uh, you know, fighting here in Vegas, obviously before, not so much with Cleverly. Cleverly clearly was, you know, was the sitting champs. Clearly had a big size advantage, even at the weigh-in. You could see he was the bigger guy, but the bravado alone was telling. Made me make a little small parlay with Badu Jack um, that cashed with Mayweather. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, and uh, and uh, and and yeah, he he. Uh, you could really just see at the weigh-ins the the temperament, or Cleverly was really. 
obviously trying to bring his bravado. Whereas Badu Jack, as I tweeted, cool as a cucumber. And you really saw that play out through the match and just kind of watching how he was just finding and just slowly sitting deeper and deeper into the shots, body or head. Um, real slick stuff from Badu Jack. Um, but let's get to the main event here. I guess um, I'll set up some brief thoughts and then I'll play you the interview with Angelo. By the way, it was kind of late, really impromptu, and Angelo was Skyping over a... Uh, well, I'll let you... Uh, it'll be a surprise uh, surprise guest uh, if you follow. Um, if you fear a TV watcher, you might be a, uh, known... You might know this uh, celebrity better than I do, because I, I honestly wasn't familiar with the man, but uh, maybe I may credit him here in the show notes. But he gives his, his thoughts on... Um, Mayweather McGregor and Angelo was in town at his house. He's got the guys, I think he's on Nature Channel or Travel Channel, I forget, but uh, he's got a, he's got a place here. It's a really nice place. Uh, Angelo, uh, if you follow him, Ray at Raya Striking tweeted out uh, the, the video. Of this place was pretty crazy and uh, got some opinions there. But no, we 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 were we were uh, skyping with uh, Coach Reyes on location there. He had some thoughts he really wanted to share, and of course, Angelo Reyes. He's a guy who's been friends with Polly and. A lot of the inside track and boxing talk I talked with Angelo even before this fight was made was all you know that had nothing to do with this fight it was usually through Polly just kind of give you a a uh, a feel for and, and Angelo's closeness to the situation and throughout and why he's been so passionate and obviously yes he is uh, even though he came up you know through the wild card gym uh, Freddie Roach and, and you know fellow Filipinos like Manny Pacquiao and company Angelo uh, had you know. Uh, you know, has a residency here, close relationship, always had a close relationship, even more so as he works out of Mayweather Boxing here in Vegas. So, uh, and, you know, really, really good insight um, from Angelo. Unfortunately, since we were Skyping, it cuts out a lot of times. I tried my best to try to reiterate or get him to reiterate through my questioning and, and, and rebuttal and reply, but it does go out at times. Um, it may sound really bad at certain times, but it actually clears up and gets better um, in the middle toward the end. So stay strong. And uh, hopefully I can cap off some notes to introduce this clip, uh, which we usually don't do a little new thing here. But but yeah, essentially um, my score, um, as you'll hear me discuss with Angelo, uh, I, I'm i more of the, of the public where, you know, it was arguably tied up come round six. Um, I scored the first three rounds for McGregor. Some boxers, about the third round is where the judges and some boxing pundits start kind of dropping off as far as giving McGregor credit. We talk about that, but uh, my score was first three Connor. You can make, you know, I saw people going 5-0 Connor. You could make that argument, but again, the reason why I kind of seceded my argument as far as just being honest and stating it, I don't, I don't watch boxing. I'm not used to judging boxing. We have to realize that it's a, just like the ring generalship um, that I brought up earlier, it's a, it's a completely different criteria. You know, you're actually getting points for making guys miss you actually can get points for fighting going backwards so on and so forth just just kind of a basic outline there it goes deeper obviously than that but the point is it's a different scoring criteria so with that in mind i actually leaned toward floyd um because uh the body work that he was doing um, wasn't quite enough although he was planting those seeds in round three arguably round two uh, even though he barely threw in round two and especially in round one obviously well you know because again even though I'm scoring these rounds and making the argument for Connor. I get it. I get. I get that. Um, and I even tweeted that. I'm like, listen, I'm scoring these for Connor, and I, I am impressed. I'm not taking anything away from Connor, but let's be honest. Uh, Floyd was going to probably give these rounds away anyways, right? 
and uh, we can go into Nate Diaz theory and his arguments with Brendan Schaub later. But uh, but yeah, that's that's a whole other that's a whole other topic. Hopefully, we can round back and dust on that. But uh, but yeah, I, I I lean toward McGregor come round four and or Mayweather round four. But then I go back and I actually gave McGregor round five. I have not rewatched it by the way. This is going off all my my, my live intake still by the way. Um, and then after round five, round six on, I score for Mayweather. Um, all the way to the momentum shifts that, you know, Angelo talks about why the momentum shifts were happening in round two. At least I could see the seeds being planted, but he makes his argument there, which is really interesting insight. And I just kind of, uh, am on board with him in the sense that I do think that the momentum shift happened earlier than maybe commentary was giving credit, which commentary did a decent job. I still have to rewatch it. I almost forgot Polly Molinaj was on the broadcast. I feel you know, which means he must've been picking his spots very well. Um, but uh, but and then of course the general fans to the Twitter timeline. Yeah, I'd, the uh, the uh, how how say you the uh, the momentum shift I think happened a little faster. I was starting to see it in, in six where the round I scored for Mayweather really come on as far as Connor, um, you know as far as Connor. Uh, sorry, as far as Connor. Uh, looking tired, which, which there was, there was a lot of, uh, similarities there from the 196 performance with Nate Diaz. We're starting to see those mannerisms, whether it was when Floyd started landing his shots, especially you saw those, the kind of Conor where he kind of does the, you know, as he says, he gets a little, is a little flowy thing, but is more just the, the facial expression, the mouth kind of open, the eyes kind of do the, uh, like, uh, I don't Almost like a weird kind of squint, almost like a like he's blurring his like he's blurring his vision purposely or focusing on something in, at a distance. Like he's gazing into the distance and he kind of leans back and his posture's kind of up and his hands are a bit flow and he kind of catches breath and yeah, it just reminded me of that one ninety six fight where you're seeing that body language kind of kind of uh, come out and um, actually I did get a get a question on it. One second as I pull it up here. Oh, that's right. Yes, I did get a question on it from Jamil Ramirez at the J42. By the way, Jamil Ramirez, if you don't remember, I haven't given a shout-out in a minute, but you like the logo? That's the man who did it. Jamil Ramirez at the J42. Follow him. Follow his work. And he said, think this fight provided any clues toward beating McGregor in MMA? And... Um, I just essentially said, not you know, I got to look at it again, but I, the time is not necessarily, but I do think there were clear gestures from Connor that were reminiscent from his 196 performance, particularly when tired. So um, yeah, I mean that 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 was that was definitely um, that was definitely prevalent prevalent. Um, so you know, but but other things to look for was you know, um, what skills can he take in? And one of the things noted in the commentary was his jab. He was using his jab much more. And again, this isn't something that I'm, I'm I'm jumping on board late saying now. If you go back to our last episode, which was you know almost two weeks before the fight, me and my man at Blake Stevenson, I was calling that. Uh, me and Blake both were, were calling that the interesting fight. What's almost more, arguably more interesting, and that not so much what he's going to bring to Mayweather, it's that what this whole experience brought to his game that we might see in the fight that can at least maybe give us a glimpse for what he could potentially bring back to MMA should he go there. There's a lot of potential shoulds, woulds, woo-woos, which is why maybe not a lot of weight was put into it, but we did. <laughs> we did say that 
back then, and that answer was the jab. He also did a decent job of doing his uppercuts, and if you recall, I said the key punches are uppercuts and a check hook, and the lack of a check hook was the reason, and the lack of the right hand in general was the reason why I could not side uh, with McGregor and why I did not like his chances as much as I would have liked to have liked McGregor's chances as I was rooting for him in this fight, despite what my analysis says. Um... But I did say a key punch to look out for that would be more likely, ironically, would be uppercuts. Some people are like, hey, you can land an uppercut on Mayweather, which, well, uh, he did. Um, but more importantly is that the uppercuts were going to dissuade Mayweather from dipping. And they were going to put his head, more importantly, defensively to avoid the uppercuts into the range of the left hand. Now, he didn't land a lot of those left hands clean, obviously. But he did land an uppercut. And he did start to stop... Mayweather's um, May, May, Mayweather fight more upright, which Mayweather was going to have to do anyways, obviously, and as you know, as, as and obviously he was already doing it when he was walking down. By the time Connor was fatigued in later later rounds, so I mean th that's not so much of a surprise. But the point is that that that, that was there. The uppercuts were a were a part of uh, uh, the plan, whether or not the plan was going to work or not. Um, but yeah, uh, momentum shifts. Yep, covered that. Uh, covered the score essentially and you know uh, Angelo Reyes actually has the scorecards in front of him when he when he does his interview and, and knows a bit about the judges and tells you about their background and what what he felt he agreed on or disagreed on um and uh and yeah that's I kind of just did a bunch of props man I was just fucking around like uh I didn't get any of the round backs I went heavy on round nine because that was the call it was it was Mayweather breaking him down getting him body shots round nine if you saw the fight it was looking pretty good because the major momentum shift happened the where you couldn't deny it anymore was round eight right uh that's where Connor I believe comes out and opens up he gets the arguable body shot low blow and you got Bird who kind of inserts himself kind of funnily and we we talk about that and the, why they scored that a 10-8 or did not score that a 10-8 and why the arguments are on each side for both. Angelo explains why he think it should have been a 10-8. And I don't disagree with him, but I explained why I and likely many probably gave that a 10-9 for Mayweather. Um, because essentially, you know, I just thought that uh, Mayweather came out, or McGregor came out strong, had that arguable, arguably clean shot. You know, there wasn't a replay and there was a break, but not long enough of a break to examine it or maybe for the judges to pro properly digest it. So with that counterbalance to the round, they may have only sided over the 10-8 uh, or 10-9 over the 10-8, being that there was just that, mm, not controversy, but, you know, a little sprinkling of controversy, a little little flicking of water of controversy there of, of Bird, who was kind of um, inserting himself or not inserting himself. And I believe uh, Coach Reyes gives his opinion on, on, on Bird's call, uh, not call, yeah, Bird's call, the fight, uh, well, not not call, but, you know, re referee's call, I should say, um, but, yeah, um, so I didn't get any of that, but as far as, like, Mayweather inside the distance, or either to get a, um, either to get a knockdown actually didn't happen, because no, no one got a knockdown there, um, but uh, I somehow, even though just doing bullshit bets for, like, dollar here, three dollars here, just fucking around, I ended up positive, um, one bet, one bet that I know cashed, because, uh, I'm going to give a shout-out here to my man Daniel Levy uh, at Best Fight Picks on Half the Battle. Um, on his Mayweather-McGregor breakdown, uh, they were talking about bets, and uh, they played the no-touch-of-gloves. Now, it got by the time that episode got released, it got bet down from the plus 140. I believe it caught—I believe it closed somewhere, minus 140, I saw. Uh, let's just say I got it right in, the, right in the middle, so I was perfectly fine with that. And um, 
and uh, that cash that that was that was nice. And so thank you, Mister Mister Levy. Uh, shout shout out there, and uh, just breakdown shouts, man. Everybody doing work with the breakdowns. I know I was being contrarian. I'm not gonna do a breakdown. A lot of y'all wanted one. And I I apologize, man. Cause I I was I was on board. I became a fan by the end of fight week. Even my contrarian ass. Uh, but my excuses aside, I gotta give. Uh, credit to the people who are hustling with those, you know. Uh, of course, my man Robin Black, who I already mentioned, uh, my man Kobe, uh, Kobe's corner there uh, was 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 doing a lot and was really working his ass off, putting stuff out. Uh, Blake Stevenson, of course, from from Low to Joe's Loudmouth Boxing, uh, was was working hard. Uh, my man Luke Thomas, of course, I really really enjoyed uh, his him, him extending himself and uh, and and throwing the ball to the. Per- to, to the other pros and getting the opinions like that. That was really awesome. And uh, his MVP, Luke said, was uh, Stephen Wright. And I got to agree, man. I, I am a big fan of that guy. Uh, the more I've heard him, I've heard him in, in interviews throughout. You know, I think, pretty sure, you know, Junkie Radio's had him on back in the day because, you know, they have a, really, a good relationship with Johnny Hendricks. And, of course, Stephen Wright kind of came into note uh, coaching Johnny Hendricks during that title run. But, uh... I actually really where Stephen Wright really won me over was when he did uh, my buddy uh, my buddy uh, Matt Wells and uh, Kendrick Johnson's podcast. Shout out to the Slip and Dip podcast. Go go follow them uh, at, at Slip and Dip at Slip and Dip podcast um, on Twitter and they're on iTunes. Just search iTunes. But uh, those guys get they got. I hope they keep going uh, keep going strong like they're doing because they they really get some good good reactions and good interviews um, over there on that podcast and I really enjoyed the one I enjoyed the one Kevin Lee of course but I really enjoyed uh, Stephen Warmaster right there um, you really get to see that guy's personality insight mind someone like me I I really appreciate guys like that like those are guys that I would love as coaches pick their brain and stuff like that so again just shout out to all the all the analysts and all the people putting out work and quality. Uh, you know, opinions and all that stuff, man. Um, Got to give credit where credit's due. If I didn't mention you, I'm sorry. I'm like inundated with notes and we're already 53 minutes in. And uh, this interview runs about a half hour. So I'll probably um, break with a, go to a commercial. Yeah, let's go. Let, let's cut to a break on that beat. And when we come back, we will be in the interview from last night. Post-fight reaction. Coach Angelo Reyes, right here on the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Cucarachas enojadas. We're here with a special voice record interview on site the night of, at least when this is being recorded. That is right, Mayweather McGregor for the Protect Your Neck podcast. And of course, I am throwing to a much more knowledgeable person when it comes to the boxing world, a former guest of this here podcast. As I already introduced to you, I am sure that is Angelo Reyes, Coach Reyes, who has coached many MMA Amateur boxing, professional boxing, all of the above, combat sports. This man knows it. What's up, Angelo? Hey, guys. How you doing? How you doing? Thank you so much, Dan. I love these um, protect your neck after, what do you call it? The after? After party editions. Party. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No, I mean, obviously an exciting night. Um, you know, I, I want to compliment you because 
You called it exactly, which is why I always tell people, hey, man, if you guys want to listen to a unbiased, straight down the middle, going to give you stats, and anytime it gets emotional, he won't involve himself in it, is uh, Dan Tom. Did you just call it straight down the middle? And you called this one, my friend, I believe you said round nine knockout and it ended up being round 10 uh yeah i mean i i said round nine and but uh you know it, it was round 10 so maybe not exactly and i did say more of an emphasis on body shots but although body shots in relation to fatigue which connor mid-self got the best of him i'm sure we'll i'm sure we'll unpack that coach but i appreciate that uh, i can't take credit for the exact but i do appreciate it yes i did call mcgregor to survive the storm and break down uh break down or mayweather to survive the storm and break down mcgregor but what was your uh, what was your official call coach for for for, for the right. listeners here what are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing a I'm, do, I'm doing a podcast right now my car my carver right here is bothering me <laughs> it's all good my it's carver's good. a good guy he's uh on the bench, CBS radio right there, wearing his 49-in-one shirt. Angelo's <laughs> <laughs> calling people out over there. He's at, a, he's at a special party right now, folks, at an at a undisclosed, at a undisclosed yeah, no, location. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 it's okay. okay it's all right. okay. No, I'm Brett Raymer's house. Uh, okay. Brett Raymer's a great, a great friend and a big, huge enthusiast of uh, boxing. Obviously, he bet on uh, Floyd Mayweather. Um, you know, he, he had a little insider information, wink, wink. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, he, he won himself some good money by night betting on uh, Floyd. And uh, he's sort of an uh, animal planet's uh, tank. Um, if you guys go on the tank, uh, YouTube, you'll actually see where we watched it. He has a new pond on his uh, backyard, and it's got these two big, it's kind of like the big screens, uh, the quality of the big screens you see outside of Planet Hollywood, um, just in a smaller scale, but it's on his backyard. And this, this place is crazy, man. It's got like a 15, uh, uh, full, uh, like, like seated uh, theater, you know, an actual movie theater downstairs, four stories. It's it's insane, bro. One of these days, I got to take you down here, Dan. It's, it's insane. It's 100%, insane. Hundred percent. Well, what you showed me was awesome already. But uh, let's let, let's just jump back in time for a second, Angelo. I, I'm sure you're with there with a bunch of people, but you had a differing, maybe similar opinions depending on what side you're on as far as the opening scorecards. Now, I don't have the scorecards in front of me, but. I believe it was a little closer than the judges had it. Angela, I'm going to let you kick it off here. How did you have the first three rounds scored? Yeah, no, so um, so I do have the judges' scorecard in front of me. And okay. what we have is uh, we have Dave Moretti, who's okay. a very good judge. He scored it 87-83, uh, which would be three rounds for Connor. He scored the first three rounds for Connor. And basically uh, rounds uh, four through nine, he scored it all for Floyd. Um uh, uh, Bert Clements, who's a very good judge also, um, he scored it uh, eight rounds to one, which is a lot closer to the way I had it, eight rounds to one. Um, and, uh, you know, was, uh, he basically gave round one to Connor, but after that, he just kind of, you know, scored, he scored it all for Floyd. And then um, Guido uh, Cavalieri, the, the Italian judge, he actually scored it uh, 80, um, 89, 82. Two, I believe. Uh, oh no, no, eighty-nine, eighty-one. Because um, because uh, he scored round nine as a ten-eight round, which I actually argued for. I, I, I could say, I could honestly say, just with my own boxing eyes, I'm like, yeah, I could have scored that ten-eight because he, he scored so much damage. But you know, if you're caught up in the moment, you you love Connor for taking the punishment. Okay, whatever. You know, it's it's he could score a ten-nine. But at the end of the day, there's no question that just like I had 
been predicting. And I had been saying to everybody, if you need to know what this fight will look like, please watch Zab Judah versus Floyd Mayweather. Or if you want to watch Sean Bay Mitchell versus Floyd Mayweather. And if you're worried about the awkwardness that everybody kept talking about, feel free to watch Emmanuel Burton, Floyd Mayweather, or feel free to watch Kendu, Mayweather, you know, people with long arms, kind of awkward. Because my whole opinion of Connor from the get-go, and I've been on your show talking about this before, Dan. You've heard me say it on Junkie Radio. I don't know why the MMA community just won't like me for saying the truth, but Connor's best attribute in mixed martial arts when it comes to the striking aspect, which is what I do, is his karate. His kicks actually break down his opponents, which makes them tentative to put their hands up. And then Connor's obvious um, size and strength and accuracy in throwing his, the punches in, in a karate style works very well. And then he gets a lot of stoppages, and that's great. But he didn't stop Nate Diaz, and that's what we have to we have to keep just telling the truth. When he fought Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz beat him the first time. Nate Diaz walked him down. Connor didn't like getting hit in the body. When he fought him the second time, even though Connor did do better, even Eddie Bravo scored it for Nate Diaz. I scored it for Nate Diaz. You could just argue it, but whatever. Connor got the win. Nobody's complaining. There was no ruckus. Um, but at the end of the day, those weren't dominant enough. In fact, those were the reasons why you needed to say, even though Floyd is smaller. And clearly, did you not see how much smaller Floyd was? Yeah. It looked it looked like two different weight classes, man. It felt like fucking UFC one, where it, when they didn't even have weight classes. <laughs> yep, yeah. You know, like Floyd Mayweather is that small, and Connor is that big. But size doesn't win fights. Fighting wins fights. And that's what Floyd Mayweather is, man. He is a fighter. Even when he got hit, you know, when he got hit with that uppercut in the first round, which I would say was Connor's best landed punch, all that happened, Dan, is Floyd went, okay. And then Connor now realized, Boy, I thought that was going to knock people out. And how many times have we seen Connor throw that uppercut, knock Eddie Alvarez out, you know, like really rock him with it, right? You know, I mean, we know. But he threw it. He threw the magical left, and round one ended. And then from round two on, you basically saw Floyd, vintage Floyd Mayweather, figured out the distance. By the end of the second half of, the, of, of, that, of that second round, you could already see Floyd investing in the body. The reason why I gave Floyd definitely round three was because he was hitting so hard to the body. And again, man, I get it. You guys love Mystic Mac. Mystic Mac this, Mystic Mac that. It doesn't protect you from those amazing body shots going into Connor's body. And to be honest with you, the minute Polly left the camp, and Polly talked about how Connor didn't like it to the body. Wasn't really a surprise to any one of us in the boxing world that Floyd asked for eight ounce gloves. Because we know in the boxing world that smaller gloves, you could fit it in the body a lot easier. But it's a technical craft. You know, body punching in boxing is a technical craft. It's just like Damian Maya jiu-jitsu, you know, or Frank Mir. You know, like, there's, it's a very technical thing. And, and, and again, it's something that Connor's... As you, as you evidently saw in the boxing match, Connor doesn't know that style. Because anytime it got to the inside, what did Connor do? 
Connor did yep. exactly what my friend Pauli Malignaggi said he would do. He would grab uh, uh, Floyd's head, he would push it down, he would try to hit the back of the head, or he would grapple, or he would grab the arms, or he would try to come behind you, kind of like you're going for a rear naked, or you're trying to take someone's back when you're on the ground. He kept doing the same moves over and over. So actually, like I, I, I believe I told you earlier, Dan, that um, I really think that, and again, I love Robert Bird. We see him at the gym. He's a great guy. I think that the moment maybe might have gotten to Robert Bird because there was way too many fouls that were allowed for Connor in a pugilistic match. All right. Queensberry rules. I mean, there's no way that you could have hugged that many times without at least have gotten a warning or a point deducted. There's no way that at least um, uh, the back of the head rabbit punches. Like, there's no way. I mean, if, 100%. It, if it was, yeah, if it was going to be that rough, then. Again, you know, you, you, you clearly saw actually the difference between Jeff Horn, who beat Pacquiao, but it was refereed kind of the same. There was a lot of rough tactic. And you saw Pacquiao, again, lose a lot of steps. He wasn't the same Pacquiao of old in the Jeff Horn fight. But also, Jeff Horn got favorable uh, refereeing. And in this scenario, Conor McGregor did get favorable refereeing, Dan. He really did. He got favorable refereeing. But his boxing isn't good enough. That's just what it is. We're not saying Conor can't learn to box the correct way. We're not saying we wouldn't want Conor in the boxing world if he gave it the right respect that it needs to be given. The problem with Conor, again, was he went in it just like how mad would uh, jujitsu get if Floyd Mayweather stepped in the middle of an EBI mat on an invitational and said, fuck jujitsu, I am jujitsu, I'll tap anyone out here, right? right of course, right. everybody's going to go uh, break that guy's arm. Well, Put that guy in an Alma Plata. You know what I mean? Right, like that right. was what it would have been. Well, Angelo, I'm glad you brought up the Robert Bird and also the body shots because um, – you know, I like I told you, I, w- I was one of the people that, you know, officially leaned live, of course. You know, I, I may have an opinion rewatching it. Um, I leaned to Connor round three, but I'm not used to, you know, uh, judging boxing fights. I'm used to MMA where volume wins out. But, yes, you know, Floyd was landing quality body shots. And yes. I think that worked into it. And, 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 you know, now that we're covering those kind of opening rounds, and I agree with Robert Bird where I think that was another thing where round nine, the reason why it probably wasn't a 10-8 is because not only did Connor come out strong in round nine and, you know, look like he hurt Floyd to a body, which could have been a low blow, but the fact right. that Robert Bird kind of... See you, Jeff. You going out with things, guys? I'm back. So, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, Dan. you're good, good, good. Bye, good. bye, Natalie. See you later. Have a good night. Have a good night. So, no, go ahead. Keep but, going with but, Robert Bird. Yeah, but the fact that Robert Bird stepped in, you know, um, and kind of muddied it as many times as he did, whether it was for the grappling when he should have or shouldn't have, I think it muddied that round nine from a 10-8. That, that, that's why I think a lot of judges and, and spectators um, gave it 10-9. But before that round nine, I, I think the momentum was changing, and I was surprised that not a lot of people could see the momentum changing. Did you get that too, Angelo? As a boxer, you yeah, could see the momentum changing. Yeah, no, no. And not a lot yeah, of people no, were picking up on it, though. It was like it was happening. Yeah, five or six, it was starting to happen before. Yeah, and that's what I mean. That you have to, you have to, you have to just have the idea that understanding that again, Floyd is going to do what Floyd exactly did. He he used round one to get his range, but there was really no rust involved in the floor in Floyd Mayweather. And I actually saw the momentum start to shift halfway round two. 
because he pretty much figured out, okay, this is the distance. Um, and then certain things that you could tell he was already starting to set traps for, it started to work. But round three, you know, like if you vote, if you said I gave round three to McGregor, then it's probably because you didn't, you didn't want to give the credit of superpower body punching, um, superpower body punching to, uh, to Floyd, uh, to, uh, you know, that Floyd was doing to, sorry, that, that Floyd was doing to, uh, to, to uh, yeah, you know, it, uh, that Floyd was doing to, um, to, uh, uh, Connor and, um, sorry, Brett, uh, thanks, Brett, sorry. No, Brett, no, you're Brett's all, you're going all good. Yeah, here, here, here's Brett Raymer. We're at the Protected hey, Act podcast. What's up, Brett? What's up, what's what's up guys? Brett Raymer. Now, Brett Raymer, what did you think of the fight? You know, you know, it was exactly like I expected. Uh, you know, I thought he was going to play possum, uh, tire him out. And like I said, I told Angelo and he could vouch for me before the fight. I said the ref would step in and stop the fight. That's exactly what I said. Is it not? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Now, Smart I, want, I, want you to tell, I want you to tell all the MMA boxing viewers. Who gives you the tips when you need it, Brett? Angelo, Angelo's the man. He gives me all the tips. You know, I watch, I watch fights all the time, and we go back and forth. We don't always agree. We right. don't always agree. Right. But, you know, I mean, like I said, he's, he's the expert. I'm the expert watcher, and there's a big difference. But, you know, it's because I go by my heart sometimes, and he goes by skill. So it, sometimes it makes a difference. But, you know what, sometimes when you bet with your heart, it works. Believe it or not, it does. It does, man. It does work. He won big money tonight. So what about Brett? Yeah, we Brett. did good tonight. Yeah, yeah, Brett did good. Well, thank you for me. Right? Absolutely. You know what? We have a fun party here. Anytime Angelo's around, it's a good time. And you're always going to get some knowledge. You have like an in-house uh, uh, commentator. Nobody commentates better than Angela. 100%. Thanks, hey, Angela, thanks, Brett, for me. Thank you. Thank you guys have a good night. Thanks for having me on the podcast, guys. Yeah, thanks, Brett. Thank All you. All right. well, good. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. <clears throat> that would be fun right there. So we were talking about the body punching, right? Body yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. And, okay, and specifically, cool. Thanks, Brett. Thank you. Specifically round three, Angelo, because, again, even though round three, I was like, you know, I'm leaning toward McGregor, but I actually tweeted there's a momentum shift happening here. Um, I think the worst is over. Right. And I think Floyd knows the worst is over, and he's already working it in. And now that's what you were kind of talking about, Angelo, is you were already seeing traps being set come those, you know, rounds three, four, and, you know, as early as that, you were already seeing the traps being set, you said, correct? Right, yeah, no, and, and, and again, I, I go back to that, again, that round one, Connor did throw that best punch, that best punch um, that he did have, the, uh, that, that uppercut, when he, when he nailed him with, that, uh, with the uppercut, um, that, was, that was it, it was kind of like that moment where he, na he nails him with the, uh, with the uppercut, and then, um, and then uh, you know, that, that's, he uh, took it. And then at that point, it was boom. Okay, we're done. The second is really where I felt like the momentum did shift. But then by the third, she was already doing what we do in boxing, which is if you can get into the body and you can invest in it early, which we knew Floyd would do, then, uh, then that's what really, you know, I, I, like Hunter is still such a novice at boxing that even at the end when he was saying, Hey, look, you know, I was tired. I would have liked it. He would have let it keep going. I understand, man. I never said that Conor McGregor isn't a warrior, but people have to be protected. I mean, people have to remember Tim Hague just died. 
Yep. And you can't keep taking those head punches. Um, and Floyd was clearly ahead. I mean, you could argue it either way you want to, but the punches Connor was throwing was no longer hurting Floyd. He kept grabbing Floyd a lot. In the later rounds, round sevens, round eight, you physically saw Connor do double underhooks just to hug Floyd because he couldn't take any more of the inside fighting that Floyd was doing. And Floyd was doing classic inside fighting. Water pull down, keep your hands up, keep your elbows worked up. Right, you know, he just the timing was already there. He he didn't even jab anymore if you noticed. He just kept walking him down. You know, and Anderson Floyd fought like a Mexican, but you know, it's, I mean, I get what he's saying. He's not he's not trying to be racist. He's 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 said he fought like how Cesar Chavez Senior would fight. But again, even coming from Connor, I don't think he's given enough reverence to boxing and studied it enough. To really even understand the analogy of what was happening to him. The, what happened to him isn't a Mexican style. What happened to him is what his coaches should have been studying, which is Zab Judah versus Floyd. Had they been studying that, they would have realized, hey man, you know what's going to happen? It's probably going to work you in the body. And once it starts, Connor, here's all the defenses you need for that. And, and, and then let's do our best. And then let's bring in. I mean, like, if Andre Berto's your friend, great. Let's bring Andre Berto in and have him help us out. Have him stimulate that inside body punching that Floyd does. But that's, again, that's where I, I doubt the whole Connor, you know, entire aliens, by the way, with boxing community the same way Ron did when Ron started kind of talking to you about it. And again, often people are trying to talk bad about other people. I tell them, and, and Mayweather, Jim, they're fans of the UFC. You know, like, right, but dude, right. Jack, who won the title fight, told personally and told me on air his favorite MMA fighter is low. You know, like, uh, who's the first you know, sign did Mayweather told she said she really likes Amanda Nunes. And if Amanda Nunes doesn't have to get work with this problem, do you see what I mean? Yeah. I don't know where it's coming from when people are, Angela, are, Angela. Thinking, are, are thinking, oh, those, bo- those boxing guys. Right, Angelo. Um, if you, if you, uh, you've been cutting out the last uh, minute or two, if you, if you can maybe move closer to that uh, better connection point. But two things that you did say that did come through while you uh, – while you move, while you move back to that point, is um, you know, one the Nate Diaz, which was a little bit uh, more prior, but more specifically, you know, um, was uh, <clears throat> sorry. Now I'm losing track of my head, but no, no, I- I'm glad you brought up those points. Yeah, yeah. The other one was the boxing like a Mexican. That was something that I, I quote tweeted McGregor when he said it, and people got offended by that, even though I was quote tweeting because I realized that they don't understand the boxing stereotype that McGregor was was speaking to. And right or wrong, that's kind of irrelevant. I was kind of glad that you at least explained what um, McGregor's intention was. Uh, two, before we close this up, um, while the momentum was changing, you did a great job of explaining why, how, and even when the momentum was changing in the fight. Something that was really reminiscent was um, was a hard tell for me was uh, 
McGregor's facial expressions. It was very reminiscent to Nate Diaz in the 196, yes. their first fight, when he was getting tired, when he was getting hit with those quality shots. Yes. Both the fatigue and the reaction to the physical blows were the same. And I think somebody asked yes. me on Twitter, uh, oh, my buddy Jamil, who made the Protect Your Neck podcast uh, logo, shout out to Jamil, go follow him in his graphic art. He asked, was there any tells in the boxing match that I'll carry over to MMA? And I believe that's the one thing that jumps out on me, is, is Connor's tell, as far as tiredness and fatigue. Yeah, no, you, and again, man, this is why you're such a good analyst, Dan. You just call it as it is. And this is, I, I did express this to you when we were off air, but I'll say it again that, you know, Alan Rowdy, Jamie Kavanaugh, 100% great coaches. Kudos to them that they did what they did with Connor. Um, Connor stuck it out with them. But if you haven't developed a boxer, even just to be the national champion in amateurs, and you haven't developed a boxer to become a world champion at some point, or you haven't gotten the chance to to work under an Emmanuel Stewart, a Freddie Roach, you know, uh, so so many great great boxing trainers. It is a culture. Boxing is a culture, just like jujitsu is a culture. You can't just assume that because you can punch, that means you can box. Boxing, by definition, is the art of hitting the opponent without ever getting hit. And Floyd has showed you the mastery of how to continue to go forward and still not effectively get hit. And that's why I get that even when Al Bernstein was saying, oh, well, it's kind of close. I think a lot of that has to do with they just saw Jeff Horn kind of rough up Pacquiao. So they're like, well, if that was close and they ended up getting into this match when i can clearly see that it wasn't because this was again for everybody who's listening to this watch zab judah versus floyd mayweather yeah as a fan when you watch it you're going to say to yourself wow after six i have it three to three as a fan but as a boxing person you watch that fight and you kind of go i don't know man floyd's hitting him pretty good it looks like he's got his timing down but basically from round three on floyd just beat his ass which is what made what is what actually made Zab Judah end up hitting uh, Floyd in the groin and hitting him in the back of the head. And, 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 and that's, again, another example about when Zab did that, look at how much ruckus that caused. Yeah. Uncle Roger jumped into the ring, and then Zab's dad, Yoel Judah, jumped into the ring. Yeah. Then the police jumped into the ring. And then they had to stop it midway through round 11, you know. Um, and, then, and then Uncle Roger gets kicked out, uh, right. you know. So, so the fact that that didn't happen tonight when when Connor was clearly using MMA roughing tactics from trying to take Floyd's back to um, uh, purposely hug, grabbing him double under X I don't want to call it hug. that's right. disrespectful it's double under X he was doing double under X with his body contributions you know Connor was playing MMA he was playing MMA in a boxing match and, and again, it's like I look at Connor and I say to myself, man, if you just if you could just humble yourself to actually learn from people like a Barry McGuigan, a Shane McGuigan, you know, I, I mean, name it. Like, like there are there are boxing coaches that can convert Connor McGregor to be an even better boxer. And it was a tall order and it was a tall task yep. to go climb Mount Everest, but you've never even done hiking before. That yeah. that was what we saw tonight. And, we and, saw a smaller man. Let's let's let, and, and again I'll say this Dan so everybody is clear. What we saw tonight is a smaller man 
fighting a bigger man, an older man fighting a younger man, and an older man who is past what he calls his prime, um, and a younger man who is at the prime of his career in MMA. And I hope that they'll educate globally that boxing in MMA and boxing, period, are two different things. And, and that's, that's really what I want to let everyone know. A hundred percent. They are two different things. And what you just said, I think, lends credit to uh, the great Chris Eubank Sr.'s argument as to why boxing is one of the top martial arts, um, because it does carry some of that similar spirit, not just the sporting aspect that we like to focus on for boxing, but it also carries, believe it or not, the martial arts spirit. As you said, martial arts is about the younger, the, or the older over the younger, the smaller over the stronger. And, and we did see that. So that's a great point. And, and kind of I guess to wrap things up, before I ask you, Angelo, which you can weigh in on where you see everybody going from here, all the players of the game, Mayweather, McGregor, even your, even your buddy over there, Malinaji, um, <laughs> I guess, I guess b before I ask you where, where I, uh, the players go, I do think, again, this is two different things, and I think me and you can come from it from a healthy perspective. We have backgrounds in traditional martial arts and boxing as well as MMA, but Overall, I, I dare say, Angelo, this exceeded my expectations. I believe this was, wasn't bad for both sides. I believe this was good for both sides. And it was entertaining for the casual fan. Am I wrong? Am I, am I drinking the Kool-Aid by thinking that? <laughs> no, I've been saying it from the beginning. Remember, I was the one that said, I'm happy that this is happening. Because in a global stage, boxing and MMA combined itself and now everybody could see and appreciate that boxing is a different form of art. Um, the mainstream public may not appreciate it as much as the, the hardcore fans, but I'll tell you what, I, I bet you a lot of MMA fans are, are going to be watching boxing a little bit more now because they understand what was happening. And a lot of boxing fans are going to be watching MMA now because of how well Connor did. Um, and, and, and again, you know, Connor did what he was trained to do. You guys can't blame the fighter on that one. That's what he chose. You know, he, he, he went with the horses that he had. He went with the coaching that he had. So what did you guys see? You saw Connor McGregor that was using MMA boxing rather than regular boxing. Um, and he was, you know, knocked out by the best ever of this era. Um, so um, no shame on that. Uh, I hope Connor McGregor realizes that unless the numbers just change and he can make way more money for a third Nate Diaz fight or a fight with Tony Ferguson or a fight with Kevin Lee or a fight with Khabib Nurmagomedov. I honestly believe that for when we're talking just money, revenue and splits, his next big payday would be Polly Malinaji, Barclays Center, New York, Brooklyn, um, March, St. Patty's Day, man. I mean, come on. And, and, and because there's already, already the emotional rival rivalry that we know is not fake i can tell you the sparring and if, and all he has to do is show the full round of when he pushed Paulie, which you can see the techniques he was using on Paulie was the same one he was doing to floyd but the difference is floyd was ready for a fight Paulie just got out of a plane and and, right. and was asked to do 12 rounds when he wasn't expected to, uh, or he didn't expect himself to. So, um, but if Connor wanted to, again, take a rest, take a break, 
Polly Malanaji, McGregor, Barclays Center, Brooklyn, uh, St. Patty's Day. Man, that's a moneymaker, bro. That is a moneymaker on all levels. Maybe not to this level, but I'll bet you'll get 1.5 million pay-per-view buys. It might even get 2 million pay-per-view buys. And people will say, Angelo's crazy. You know why I think it might get 2 million pay-per-view buys? Because Connor really made everyone curious tonight. Yeah. You had Al Bernstein yes. saying good stuff about him. Yes. You had Mauro Ronaldo saying good stuff about him. And let me just say this again. Pauli Malinaji was 100% professional tonight, and he was saying good stuff about Connor. So stop the hate, people. Yep, yep. Stop the hate. Everybody calls it as they see it. You know? I forgot that Malinaji was even on the call for a second. He was doing such a good job. And, yes, you're absolutely right. He overachieved. And, and I guess while we're on it, I guess I'll give my prediction that I, I kind of shared with you off air, Angelo, is that I think McGregor, for either contractual reasons that, are, that do really do exist, um, or for just, you know, maximizing your money opportunities, he will go to back to MMA at least for one more fight. I don't know what that fight will be. Um, he will maximize it. It won't be nearly as much as this. But even if he loses that fight, he can still sell that, you know what, fine, I lost in MMA, but now I'm done. I'm focusing on boxing. Is he focusing on boxing? Of course not. He's focusing on boxing enough to whatever boxing has lined up for him. But the point is it's sellable, like you said. And I guess I'll close with this, Angelo, before we get out of here. The best thing about your prediction of a Malinaji McGregor in Brooklyn is that I think that ends with me and Coach Reyes here getting some good Italian food in my own stomping ground. So for that... I am on board. I am all fucking right, on board. Right. Sound good, well, Angelo? Well, you, you, oh, that sounds great. I, you know what I'm going to do if that happens is I am going to ask Lan Pauly if I can somehow, some way help in the training. And, uh, you know, again, with my karate background and obviously um, not just my boxing experience and my boxing uh, knowledge, but my MMA experience, obviously, and MMA knowledge that um, I could actually, you know, me and Polly have been playing around already with some of the moves that we knew Connor would do just for fun. Um, so you never know. Maybe maybe we'll see something like that. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I said it on our Cage Siders um, uh, Facebook Live uh, right after the fight. Guys, you know, follow us, cagesiders.com. Uh, we're going to have Dan back on real soon. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I commend Rhett. Conor McGregor, I, I, I respectfully, again, congratulate him. I'm happy that he made a lot of money in a very brutal sport. Um, he needs to take some time. Uh, the UFC has a lot of great medical recovery abilities, so please get an MRI. Please get checked. Um, he took a lot of damage tonight, both to the body and to the head. Um, so just please check yourself because we don't want any hemorrhages. We don't want any afterthoughts. Um, and then give the kid some time, man. He's only 29 years old. Right. He just made one hundred million dollars. He's twenty nine years old. Give Connor some time. And if, if Connor wants to, um, I actually think that the next best bet for him and the safer bet is to go boxing just because he's already he's already in the trend of it anyways. You know, rather than going back to MMA and fighting. I mean, come on. Tony Ferguson's a killer. Kevin Lee's a killer. Khabib Nurmagomedov is a killer. Um Cub Swanson's a killer. Max Holloway's a killer. Like, you know, you're, you're not going to, you, you, you know, I actually think that Connor would put himself in danger trying to go back to MMA to fight as soon as December just because he's going to need to get his MMA timing back. And he's been working on his boxing too much. Right now, if he just takes a break and then, and let's say around uh, fall, he starts up on boxing again, he could be ready by March for Pauly Malinaji. And, and again, man, I love Pauly. But Pauly's not Floyd. 
All right. You know, like just remember how much more compelling that would be and how many how many Conor McGregor fans are going to want to see a win for Conor. Right. Yeah. Um, so. So, you know, again, guys, you know, if you, if you think I'm crazy, just remember, Dan, Tom, who's been predicting everything that Coach Stradamus goes on the <laughs> MMA Roadshow. And I always predict things and they always end up happening. And what always happens is with our buddies, John Morgan and Ken Hathaway, they laughed at me. So the most re- the most recent one, guys, if you look it up, episode 118, I believe it is. Um, I said, Dana Wild. I will become a boxing promoter. And what do we see right now, guys? Zufa Boxing. Told you what happened. Told you he's going to be a part of it. Don't be surprised that Dana White and Al Heyman um, with Zufa Boxing and the Fertitas um, and McGregor Promotions all band together again to do one more magical show. Malinaji versus McGregor or McGregor versus Malinaji. Brooklyn, New York, guys. Angelo coming strong with the facts. And if that, that happens, well, Paulie Malinaji knows a good coach who knows a thing or two about Southpaws and martial arts. So <laughs> hopefully so. But, but Angelo, this has been a great chat. I'm glad we had this uh, impromptu last minute, if you will, chat. It's always good catching up with you regardless, Coach. But before we go, um, I really appreciate what you're doing down there with um, our mutual friend Jeremy Long. Anything you want to plug, sir, before we go, get on out of here? Yeah, no, guys, please. Again, um, you know, whether you love what I say or hate what I say, I, I, I like to keep it real, you know. Uh, and all out, you can read cooking. You can go on my Instagram at Raise Boxing. Um, just don't be so, you know, like don't say profanities or negativities too much. Cause, you know, we just want the positivity in the world, guys. You know, so. Hundred percent. Let's let's keep it let's keep it above the belt. Let's keep it all above the belt, guys. Hundred percent. And if you didn't catch that again, you know, uh, and at, at Ray's boxing Instagram, Cage Siders, Cage Siders TV. Subscribe to them on iTunes. Give them some positive ratings and reviews because if you're not catching if you're not catching Cage Siders TV, you, again, you can always catch the audio and podcast form. Those ratings and reviews go a long way. Uh, definitely support Coach Reyes. Definitely support Cage Siders. Shout out to our mutual friend Jeremy Long and Angelo. Again, thank you for coming on, my man. Thank you, Dan. Man, you're you're always amazing. I can't I can't wait. I hope this thing drops like in the next few hours or something. Protect Yo Neck <laughs> Podcast After Party Edition. It Mayweather will. McGregor. It will now. It will be now. Yeah, look, this should be hopefully dropping Sunday as soon as, as soon as I can get my act together and get the rest of this uh, recorded to set it up because this was an awesome uh, interview. Thank you for your time, Angelo. Have a good night. Get home safe. Hopefully, everybody listening to this enjoyed the show as well. Right here in the Protect Your Neck podcast. Close out the Mayweather and McGregor recap. It has been a long episode. But hopefully you're listening to this on Sunday so you had some time. Certainly needed some time to recap all the events for me personally, for the MMA and boxing world in the last week. Probably didn't even hit half of it, but you know, that was my perspective from this week. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Before we get going, I just want to give a quick shout out. Um, I already shouted out to the supporters in general. That's first and foremost, but also got to give the shout outs to the people clicking through the links. We had some action on our Amazon link. We had a pure tea tree oil shampoo, 
natural essential oil. That's really good. Tea tree. Oil. I don't know about. I don't know much about hair, but I know I use tea tree oil in my soaps. It's uh, it's good for your skin. It's a natural uh, deterrent slash conditioner for uh, you know, uh, not getting the ringworm or killing it. Um, I use Defense soap. No one bought that here, but I'll give them a shout out just because they're an awesome product. I use that for when I get off the mat. Uh, thank you though, whoever bought the pure tea tree oil shampoo. Um, Oral B Glide Pro Health Deep Clean Floss. Okay, someone bought some dental floss. Um, hey man, every, every little helps. Every little bit helps. So thank you. Really appreciate you getting your dental floss with the Protect Your Neck podcast. I'm not sure what I triggered to make you think of that, but thank you for buying it. Um, Adidas Impact Wrestling Shoe. That's me, baby. That's right. My my fucking my ASIC wrestling shoes from like 2010 have like holes burnt through the bottom where the balls of your feet are. And the gripping is all, of course, worn out where the gripping is still attached to the bottom of the foot. So I was like, yeah, it's about time Dan Tom gets some new some new wrestling shoes, which I know I shouldn't box in, but I will sometimes box in them too because um, depending on the grip, but this one, these ones are good. They grip the map, but not too much. Not that I'm going to be getting major boxing rounds, you know, um, and, and pivoting the wrong way or anything, but, you know, any excuse to protect these freaking weathered toes I have. Oh, I have... And you all seen my toes. They're just fucking bent every which way. It's disgusting. Yeah. Barefoot, martial arts, a lot of pivoting and kicking for about, uh, since 1992. So my feet aren't going to look normal. Um, <laughs> so yeah, these are awesome though. I, I, it's so hard to find white wrestling shoes. So uh, these were the closest, but they're kind of wild looking, but they're badass because they're mainly white, but they got some black and yellow trim. Uh, they look like, uh, some Marty McSuperfly from the eighties. I love it. I love it. Anyways. Um, and Three-pack Vita MYR 16-ounce safe and effective Herbal Zinc Plus vitamin. Okay, someone's getting their zinc fix. Um, uh, zinc, magnesium, and I forget, ZMA. Something like bodybuilders use. You take, you take it all separately. It looks like somebody... I'm not saying you're ordering it for that to get juiced up. You know, or anything like that. No, 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 no. But to get recovered up from a from a day of juicing, I should say. But no, um, no, zinc is uh, zinc's really good to get. I I usually do a pretty good job of getting it through Brazil nuts. Brazil nuts is one of those rare foods. Zinc's a hard one to find. Usually, you have to order it through supplementation like that. But if you take, I believe, if you eat two to three Brazil nuts as low as that, you get your zinc serving for the day as an adult, male or female. Um, keep in mind. Uh, so you're looking for natural zinc. Uh, they're a bit chalky though. It's like it's almost like they are. It's almost like a, the the nut is made of a supplement because it's like chalky when you bite into it. But I'll usually mix it in with rice or something and some veggies if I'm eating like a, a dish just to kind of get the serving in there. Anyways, but thank you for whoever bought the the their their zinc supplement. And through on it we only had one, and that was me again. It's me, shmi, it's me. Why did I? Why did I do Bob Hoskins' character from Hook as Sean Connery? Neither here nor there. Blendtec Blender, baby. Big time. Big purchase. I've been waiting to do this for a minute, man. Um, shit, I've been having smoothies, ve vegetable and fruit smoothies, and some variation of one f average of five to six days out of the week since 2009. And I would always buy crappy or you know mid-tier ninja blenders, and they would be just spent after a year or, year or two, like really bad. And uh, so you know what, fuck it, I'm going to ante up and can actually make a little bit back from it <laughs> using the click-through. And it actually gave me a pretty penny um, for the click-through because these things are, uh, 
Close to 500 retail there. Thankfully, the Dulce code works. Save me 10% off. $50. Save up to play some college hockey. And, uh, yeah, got the Blendtec blender. I'm gonna fucking... Let the slaughter begin. <laughs> Shout out to Fulsome, old Vegas hardcore band. But that's exactly what I'm going to be doing with the fruits and veggies. So thank you for using the click-through, supporting uh, Protect Your Neck podcast, whether you're just listening to this, telling friends, and regardless of the click-through shit. Honestly, it doesn't fucking matter. Thank you. On that note, I'm going to get out of here. Thanks for sticking around. I know it was a long episode. Thank you again, Coach Angelo Reyes, at Reyes Striking on Twitter. I know I didn't kind of biffed the shout on there. Um, uh, Cage Siders, uh, follow his show, at the Cage Siders. You can subscribe to them on iTunes. I was correct on that. Um, shout out to my lovely girlfriend and family for fucking supporting me seriously this is this is still surreal um, i'm not really celebrating anything yet because honestly this is just the beginning now i have to not fuck up and prove myself and bring the quality and passion that i brought to mixedmartialanimals.com now to mma junkie which i'm happy to do but but yes i'm not um as much as i probably should my friends who know me tell me and remind me i need to stop and smell the roses more i'll be damned um i'm i'm right back to work man i'm 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 getting off this editing it finishing up seeing if uh, they announced their last of the main card so I can finalize this Rotterdam. I already have UFC 215 started, and we'll look to knock that out. Much more announcements to come in the following week. Make sure you're following at MMA Junkie Radio. That's where I'm going to be Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Pacific, Sirius XM Sports. Uh, we will be giving you more information as that comes to light, too. Again, lots of announcements coming in many regions. Thank you for following along. Thank you for supporting my journey. It just seemed like yesterday it was getting into Taekwondo and driving around the Midwest to West West Coast with my with my parents to Taekwondo tournaments, cutting out newspaper articles uh, of uh, Chicago Bulls games because I had to prove that Scottie Pippen was getting more assists and rebounds than Michael Jordan. And I thought they were patting Jordan's things. So I'd be counting there with a notebook, watching the games and waiting for the newspaper to come out because in the early 90s, y'all, we, the internet wasn't the same. We, I was waiting for I was waiting my ass for the sports section, and then I still have clipouts of championship stats and stuff that I collected from back then. That's right, I still have some of that today. So maybe I shouldn't be surprised that I'm finding myself on this journey um, to covering sports, analyzing them, talking about them, writing about them, and couldn't be doing it without you and the support of people, my family and girlfriend. So that's it. That's it. I'm going to stop the thank you, stop all the schlubbiness. Until next time, make sure you're stopping to spell the roses, even if it's a spectacle like this last weekend. Don't fuck with the Irish and always protect your neck.